And I'm Katie King. And this is True, True Crime New, New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back to another episode. We are glad to have you here on this Thursday morning, like always, on schedule, on time. We are nothing if not prompt and... Punctual. Punctual, thank you. Yes, no, of course. We also finish each other's sentences. sentences. <laughs> Just kidding, we're not doing that. That's disgusting. <laughs> Katie, how's it going? You know what? It's going pretty good. I have some life changes going on, so... Yeah! I mean, yeah. How are you, Liz? Um, good. Good? Yeah, I'm just fine. Good, I'm It's so just, good. it threw me off because normally you say, it's going! And, or you say, like, I'm taking it day by day, but today you were pretty good! <laughs> I know, that's groundbreaking. That's kind of rare. Life changes, man. I mean... Yeah. Um, I got a new job. So excited <laughs> for you. My main reason, well, there are a lot of reasons, yeah. but to be polite and professional, mm. because the world of healthcare is very small, especially in New England, mm-hmm. you know, there were some reasons it was time for me to have a change of scenery. Sure. Um, I loved my job itself. I loved working with the kids. I loved working in a psych hospital. I love psych nursing through and through. I mean, absolutely. no complaints there. My main reason for leaving my last job was getting off the overnight shift. We did eight-hour shifts instead of 12-hour shifts. Mm-hmm. So it was, you know, going in, doing four or five nights a week on yeah. the overnight shift and having one, two days off. Not really a good mix. No, not at all. But yeah, I just feel like being able to sleep in my own bed and work normal people hours and have a better work-life balance Yeah, has been very good for my mental health especially. I would say so, right? Yeah, and my stress and anxiety levels. Yeah, it's been it's been good. That's great. So yeah. what's what's tell the, the listeners what's different about this job? Oh, true, true, true. So it still very heavily involves psych. Um, that was kind of a misconception when I was telling people where I was going was, oh, you're getting away from psych. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like every position involves a little bit of psych, but this one has a lot of psychosocial stuff. Mm-hmm. It is a hospice nurse position. But it is a visiting hospice nurse position, so I'll go to patients in their homes or if they're in a nursing home or a facility, Mm -hmm. I'll go there. Um, But yeah, I just kind of start my day and have my patients and drive around. I'm still on orientation, so I'm not going to have my own assignment of patients for a little bit. Sure. Their orientation process is very good. Good. My last job I got three weeks before I was put on the floor as charge nurse. Oh my god, that's safe. It was, yeah, really promoted independence, you know. Um, (laughs) Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, I pride myself in being a quick learner. So my last job, I was like, all right, you know, I learned through trial of fire. So Mm -hmm. that's what this is. Yeah. Great learning experience. Mm -hmm. Very much promoted independence. This is promoting independence in a different way because I am going out to see patients by myself at times. Right. But, yeah. That's awesome. I'm very excited about it. I'm excited for you just because... I mean, because I know on a personal level, because you can say it to me, that you hated what was happening, you know? Yes. You, I mean, to be fair, you weren't being treated fair at all. 100%. And when that happens in healthcare, it can get really dangerous. So what you were working in wasn't safe for you or your patients. No. And I will say when I started at that facility, because it was a smaller hospital, mm-hmm. I knew in the back of my head, you know, big hospitals do have the means to 
support their nurses if anything were to happen. They would right. cover them. A smaller hospital does not have the means to do so. So I was told by a former supervisor when I first started to get malpractice insurance. Yes. Yeah. There wasn't any incident or anything. Nothing happened. No. Um, my license, of course, is still in good standing. Obviously. I pride myself in that, of course. Yeah. I don't fuck around with that. No. But um, to put it plainly, I am very happy that I did have malpractice insurance. Right. For sure. It was. It just was becoming a situation where every day I was going in, I'm like, well, thank God for malpractice insurance. Yep. Well, thank God I my coworkers have my back and I have theirs. Yep. Especially on the overnight shift, too. It's such a skeleton <sighs> crew anyway. Absolutely it is. It was becoming a situation where we would be so short-staffed that if an incident did happen, shit would hit the fan more so. Right. Because of the lack of staff and the lack of support. Right. And a lot of places, unfortunately, are having that problem now because there's a wicked nurse shortage like everywhere and that's so weird because there are so many nurses right but it's happening all over the place because we're just it's just not a great environment right now as a nurse right and it's like we have a million and one options we can go on indeed and mm-hmm. search registered nurse and there will be hundreds if not thousands of options yeah so if a facility does not treat their staff appropriately or adequately what else are we going to do but get a new job? Exactly. I mean, it's common sense. Right. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but honestly, at the end of the day, I'm very grateful for my learning experiences. I'm very grateful for, you know, my coworkers that I've had really good bonds with. Mm-hmm. The patients I loved so much. Most yeah. of the kids were phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do see myself going back into a strictly psych position. Right. Maybe just not there. Right. And that's absolutely fine. And like you said, hospice is definitely psych. Everything is Mm -hmm. psych, really. But we were using a hospice nurse just a little bit before my gram died. And I mean, I thought it was great. It's a great thing that hospice nurses do. So it's hard. Oh, yeah. Mentally and emotionally, it's very hard. Oh, yeah. So good for you. Thank you. I'm excited to have very meaningful one-on-one time with the patients. Like, I know I'll be able to give them really good care. Mm -hmm. Not that I wasn't giving my former patients really good care, <laughs> but it wasn't so much of that one-to-one. Yeah. More so with hospice, you go and you address that one patient. Right. Like, you don't have other patients needing things at the same time. Right. You're able to address them, meet their needs, and then go to the next one and mm-hmm. give them that same quality time. Right. So that was very appealing to me. Absolutely. I can see why. I think, for me, especially as a nurse, patient care... Like, getting that one-to-one connection is really important to me. And I typically feel like I'm lucky because I feel like on most nights when I work, I have that connection with my patients. I can create it because it's usually a happy environment, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm fortunate to have that a lot. And it's, like, one of the best feelings. And I'll tell you, I feel like my nursing care is better when I'm, you know, me and the patient are, like, connected in some way. Like, we get, have a good rapport. It's very important. So... This makes it a little easier for you to have a good rapport, which mm-hmm. is great. Not that you didn't before, but it's definitely easier to obtain. Yes, there's more of a focus on that now. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. But yeah, it'll be good. I'm excited to see how it plays out yeah. and what happens after I get off orientation. Oh, I'm excited for you. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Speaking of nurses, um, our case today, uh, well, that wasn't a great segue, but the, the 
victim of the case today is a nurse, or was a nurse, so it made some sense, but mm -hmm. the case we have today is a very twisty-turny, um, lots of love angles to the case. Yes. Very interesting. And as we've referenced in previous episodes, we have a master list of all the cases we would like to cover. Yes. This is our very first one off that list. Oh, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Number one. When Liz and I were shooting back and forth ideas, like, we should do a podcast. What should we do it on? Let's do it on true crime. Maybe New England true yeah. crime. I started making a list of cases that I wanted us to cover. Mm -hmm. And Stacey Burns, as you can tell by the title, was one of the ones I found. And so that's been number one on our list since we started over a year ago. Great. So now we're finally knocking off number one, mm -hmm. crossing off the list. I'm excited. A listener named Jody G also suggested this to us. Thanks, Jody. And without further ado, today we will be covering the, the murder, murder of Stacy Burns. All right, everyone. Let's start it off as we usually do with our sources. Katie, hit me with it. Okay, I'll hit you with it. I'm not going to hit you. We don't condone assault on this podcast. Not even a little. My sources today were WNUR.com, New Hampshire Department of Justice, ABC News, Foster's Daily Democrat, and the Concord Monitor. All right. I had True Case Files. GV News, a little post on Reddit, a little post on Web Sleuths. I had Foster's Daily Democrat as well, as well as the Boston Globe. Katie, I'd also like it if you could start us off. I sure can do that. Thank you. On May 10th, 2009, in Wolfboro, New Hampshire, 41-year-old Stacy Burns was found murdered in her North Main Street home. She had been stabbed multiple times. Yeah. May 10th was also Mother's Day. Stacy's only son, Michael, who was 15 at the time, found her body when he was bringing her breakfast in bed as a Mother's Day present. That broke my heart, reading that. Her only son? Yeah. 15 years old, bringing your mother breakfast in bed for Mother's Day, and you find her stabbed to death. She was stabbed so many times. That is so traumatic. In a later interview, Michael stated, quote, I couldn't even believe it. It was really tough getting that image out of my head. It's still there. I'm sure. Stacy worked as a school nurse at Carpenter Elementary School, and she was a mom of five kids. The kids at the school adored her. The community adored her. Yeah, it sounded like it. She was known as the kind of person to always have her door open in case someone stopped by and just wanted to talk or have a cup of coffee. Oh. She was always known for that. And her house was right on Main Street. Mm -hmm. So she would say, like, if you're walking on Main Street and you just want to come in and talk, come on in. Yeah. My door's always open. Oh. Two of her kids were at the house that night with some of their friends who had slept over while the murder occurred. And I can't believe they didn't hear anything. Or see anything. Like, that's... Can you imagine the police asking you, are you sure you didn't hear anything? And having yeah. to say, no, I, like, genuinely I heard nothing. Yeah. And then feeling that guilt, like, how could I not have heard? I know. They must have felt so guilty. And the friends, too, the kids' friends that were sleeping yeah. over. They had four friends. So there were six teenagers in total, and none of them heard anything. That is so awful. Ugh. 
to have it happen on Mother's Day of all days, heartbreaking. And obviously, like you said, she had five kids, four daughters and a son. And they obviously loved her very much. And she was known to be a very devoted mother, as well as very devoted to her job and her church. Mm -hmm. And so she was very well known in the community. And that's a big loss for the community to take. Absolutely. So it was just like a shock. And this isn't an area where something like this happens all the time. So it's a classic case of small town murder that leaves people like questioning what happened and how could it happen in Mm -hmm. a small town like this. The whole town was terrified because they were like, well, if she got murdered, was it a targeted thing or was this a random thing? Like, could it be me? Could it be my mom next? Could it be my best friend? People were just terrified because they didn't know. It's scary. It's definitely scary. And I feel bad for those teenagers. They must have afterwards had like a lot of fear. Like, what if that was me? Like, I was so close to being killed. Right. You know? For sure. Oh, that's traumatic. It's very traumatic. So Stacy was 41 years old when she was killed. And she had been married to a man named Ed Burns. That's where she got Burns, of course. So in 1992, they got married and Ed was a merchant marine and he often was away for long stretches of time out on the sea. And I think somebody was quoted as saying like, Stacy attracted bad men. And for Ed and Stacy, they had the five kids in a 10 year span. And so it was just a lot very quickly. And then Ed was gone half the time because he was out at sea. Mm -hmm. So that definitely has some, you know, adds some strain to the relationship, understandably, because she's working too. Right. And she has five little kids to take care of. And Ed is out at sea for his job, you know, so whatever. But it's like, that's a hard compromise. Oh, yeah. There's a quote where Ed stated, we both had to adjust because we were both commander of the ship, if you will. And I found out that even when I was home, I was actually second in command. Ah. So it started to become an issue of who was in charge, and it started to get kind of controlling. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, I feel like Ed probably wanted to be in charge because he's the man. And I feel like that's just how a lot of people see, like, a neutral family. Mm-hmm. You know? So I'm sure that really bothered him, and kind of got in the way of his happiness as well and let's just say their marriage didn't stick around for forever it lasted 17 years before stacy left ed i guess stacy just couldn't handle the time it took for ed to readjust once he got home from being out at sea in that he just was really troubled and he tended to drink a lot Mm -hmm. and that for her was getting really frustrating her kids her youngest kids she had twin daughters to cap off their kids and they were like seven or eight so they were old enough where she was like okay like you gotta stop like we have kids they see what you're doing and it was just it was just a lot it was a lot Mm -hmm. there was also a lot with the relationship that was kept kind of behind the scenes yeah The live-in babysitter that was with the family named Brittany said that Ed would constantly want to know what Stacy was doing at all times. She would tell him, Mm -hmm. and then he would accuse her of lying. We've all been there. 
in a relationship like that. <laughs> Red flags. Yes. Back in August of 2007, Stacy had actually gotten a restraining order against Ed when courts found him mentally and physically abusive towards her. Yeah, so she got a one-year mm-hmm. uh, restraining order against Ed, which automatically put the five kids in her custody. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning she gave for getting a restraining order, horrifying. Really intense. Yeah. He was um, very threatening and very imposing, and I don't blame her for wanting to get a restraining order, because he was scary. I'd be terrified. Yeah. The court documents said that he would demand sex from her. He would threaten to cut off parts of her body. Mm. He burned her clothes, burned her makeup, and insulted her in front of other people. Yeah. So just with the insulting in front of other people, that really shows escalation because now you're taking it outside of the household. Yes. That's where things really start to escalate because now your behavior is going so far that you are not keeping the abuse within the household anymore. You are taking it outside and you are being so bold as to do it in front of other people. Which, I mean, obviously they would notice that. Right. So there's people to back up that Ed maybe wasn't the nicest person to his wife. So, again, I do not blame her for wanting a restraining order and because he was doing things like threatening to cut off parts of her body. That's horrifying. And actively burning her clothes and makeup. Like, that is not good. Yeah. That is not good. When it escalates to your person or your belongings, like, that is so, so, so abusive Mm -hmm. and so controlling. Yes. And she even cited an incident that happened a week before she went to get this year-long restraining order, and it gave me chills. It's something that you just... It almost sounds like it came from a movie. Mm-hmm. Like a cheap movie that was made with like a $60,000 budget by a whole bunch of you know college kids, and they use ketchup as fake blood. Like It just sounds so creepy and fake. Right, because it's so... Unbelievable! Like, you can't imagine this happening to somebody. Right. But it happened. But it happened. It's crazy. Yeah. So the week before Stacy went to the judge, this was on July 29th of 2007, roughly like 4 a.m., Stacy said that Ed entered the bedroom and stood over her body, and that woke her up. And when Ed noticed that Stacy had woken up because, you know, he was hanging over her face, um... He said menacingly, death before divorce. Um, what? So to me, that's a threat on life. Absolutely it like, is. Like, you are threatening to kill me. Yes. Oh, my God. I would agree with you there. Terrible and so, ugh. Can you think of that? You're married for 17 years or whatever, and your husband, you find him just standing over you while you're sleeping, and he's threatening death before divorce. No, thank you. No, thank you. Red flag. That is so terrifying. Mm-hmm. So when Stacy went to go to the judge, she said that Ed, he discovered she was going to the judge, and he began to, like, freak out at her, and he even shoved her, and then he took the home phone and all the cell phones in the house, and said, which there probably weren't very many, and took them so she couldn't call 911, which is the first sign besides the abuse of being an abuser like you want to hide your little secret that mm-hmm. keep this beating this punching bag going on 
whole month after she got the restraining order filed, Stacy officially filed for divorce from Ed. And he was out at sea at this time, and I don't know why, but he was so shocked about this. He literally was like, I couldn't believe it. Really? You had a restraining order on you. Do you think the marriage was going to go okay? Yeah, you threatened to kill your wife and hack off parts of her body. Yeah. And you burned her stuff. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand where the disconnect comes from here. This guy clearly isn't intelligent. <laughs> so, on the one-year anniversary of filing the restraining order, which, if you remember, was only for one year, Stacy went back to the judge and asked for it to be extended another year. And she told the judge that she was fearful for what Ed would do if it was lifted and he could access her again. And I think that's a really great reason to get a restraining order and so the judge heard this and was like oh girl and she made it a five-year restraining order wow because she could tell that it was not this is not good you know fearful for what your own hus- ex-husband will do to you that's that's too much it's brutal it's very scary over the next coming months so this was in august of 2008 when she got the restraining order re-upped and then listen Stacy ended up letting Ed see their kids and babysit their kids. And eventually it got to the point where they would go to like family events together. Like someone had a soccer game or whatever. They go to the fair. So then, you know, Ed went to the judge to repeal this restraining order because they were spending time together. It wasn't romantic, but they were doing it for their kids. And so the judge was like, yeah, I mean, if you guys, you both violated your restraining order. So I'm going to have to take it away. There shouldn't be one if you're seeing each other. And the only reason that she did end up throwing out the restraining order was because there was no evidence that there had been any inappropriate behavior between them, meaning like fighting, abuse, anything like that. So she said, yeah, I mean, I guess it's valid. You guys don't need this anymore. So she took she took it away. And then um, in December of 2008, their divorce was finalized and they did not continue with any romantic relationships as was already stated but they did maintain like a a co-parenting relationship for their children Mm -hmm. um from what i could tell went okay i mean it probably wasn't the best but they did it for the kids Mm -hmm. Uh, however ed eventually violated the restraining order over money like child support and so they were due back in court on monday may 11th 2009 which happens to be the day after Stacy was found dead. Interesting. Isn't that funny? That is peculiar. Mm-hmm. So you guys keep that in your brain. Because yes. we're about to throw another thing at you. <laughs> yes, we oh, are. Oh, yes. A few months after the divorce, Stacy began casually seeing a man whose son played hockey with Michael. Yeah. The man's name was Jim Vidham. He said that he fell in love with Stacy very, very quickly. Maybe over the course of like three-ish months. Which is of them casually. Pretty quickly. Yeah, that was really quick. Stacy wasn't ready for a serious relationship so soon after her very traumatic divorce of right. her husband, who she's been with for 17 years. Makes sense. Can't fault the woman for that. That's no, common no. sense, in my opinion. Right. Anyway. Stacy's friend said that Jim didn't take her saying no very well. Ooh. So this becomes kind of a dynamic where... Jim is pursuing her, right. and she's politely saying no, and he's not taking that to heart. Right. He's not taking no for an answer. He starts pursuing harder. 
Yes. Which is not what you do. That's a huge red flag. Red flag, red flag, red flag. Understand basic consent. Absolutely. Listen when women tell you things, especially the word no. Mm-hmm. On the day of Stacy's murder, she and Jim were supposed to take their daughters to a lacrosse tournament, but Stacy and her daughter never showed up. Jim drove to their house and saw an ambulance and said that his first thought was that Stacy had killed herself. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that part. Stacy's daughter saw his car and came out and told him what had happened. Yeah. Wow, that's, you know what? That's a little selfish of him because I bet you he was thinking because of him. 100%. She killed him. Yeah, no. 100%. Nope. Stacy's close friend named Peggy Hart was absolutely shocked and devastated when she heard the news. Michael, Stacy's son, who found Stacy, had actually called Peggy first when he found his mom's body. That's how close they were. Peggy and Stacy were really good friends. They're both hockey moms. Yeah. Peggy's kid also played hockey with Michael. Oh. So Michael clearly saw her as a mother figure. Right. That was his first instinct. Oh. To call Peggy. Yeah. And Peggy's like, honey, I'll be there soon. You have to call 911. Yeah. And then he hung up and called 911. Yeah. But that's crazy. That's nuts. And so sad. And bittersweet at Mm -hmm. the same time. Ugh. Peggy stated whoever that creep is knew that those kids were sleeping in the house and they were going to find her on Mother's Day. Ugh. So Peggy thinks that it was someone close to the family and they did it intentionally. Yeah. Especially as kind of a fuck you to the whole family. Like, you're going to find your mother dead on Mother's Day. Oh, that's awful. 700 people attended Stacy's funeral. Oh my god. 700 people. I mean, like we said, she was very well-loved in the community. Mm -hmm. And she was a nice person. She was incredible. Yeah. She was very well-known, very loved by so many people, and the whole town was just... They were devastated, and they were very shooken up. Like, how could this have happened? Right. Like we said, small town. Right. It doesn't happen, and not to a woman like Stacey Burns. Mm -mm. Right. It just doesn't happen. Immediately, police start looking into who could have killed Stacey. Right. And um, I hate to say it, but they did a decent job at singling out two people. Granted, those two people stuck out like sore thumbs in this case, but at least the police pursued them and absolutely did their due diligence. Oh, which is neat. That's neat. <laughs> not, not always the case here on True Crime New England. Right, right. So like you said, Katie, this Jim character, he fell for her way too fast Mm -hmm. and it seemed like she just wanted more like a friends with benefits type thing and but jim wanted like a wife with benefits type thing you know like a little much and then he was just like so into her that he even was like trying to move in with her and our kids after three months and stacy was like how about we just be friends without benefits because i don't even that's so creepy Stacy called off the relationship, but she tried, or she did, you know, maybe he didn't completely understand the message. Of course, Jim now is the only one who can talk about this, because Stacy's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that, you know, they broke up, but they maintained their friendship because they both had kids who played hockey together, and they were like, you know, they had to keep their friendship for their sons. Jim claims, even when Stacy died, that they were in love. He, like, really thought that they were in love. Oh, honey. Which is sad. Oh, no. Yeah, because she clearly wasn't. And he, the reason why we know this is because the Friday night before she died, 
Stacy went on a date with, you know, a local man. They went on a date. Awesome. Good for her. Um, Mr. Jim, the freak, drove to her house and waited outside the house until she got home with the man. Jim confronted both of them and the man was like, go, like, fuck off. What are you doing? And, you know, Jim got back in his car. He called Stacy. She obviously didn't pick up. And he left a really sweet voicemail that just said, I fucking hate you. Yep. And so, um, then Jim left and, you know, he went home and he was seething and he was like, he was just pissed. And later he told police, he said, you could say that I was stalking her, but I think I was being her friend. No, I don't think you were being her friend. I think you were stalking her. No, I think you don't know how to read the room and take no for an answer, sir. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. His reasoning why he went to go confront Stacy was that he thought that she shouldn't be dating so soon after they broke up. So that applies to everyone except for him. In his head. Correct. Wow. Mm-hmm. So the Saturday before she was killed, like that day before, Stacy called her friends and was like, this happened. And then she said she was going to go talk to Jim at his house and end it for good and mm-hmm. make sure he knew that she was ending it for good. So she went over and according to Stacy, she called her friends back. She said it went well and that they ended it amicably and he understood. And then she invited him to stay to come over for a movie that night with all the teenagers, which... I think it that was wrong of Stacy, but not on purpose. I think she was trying to be a nice person. For sure. And I feel like, too, if Jim has kids around her kids' ages, that wouldn't be out of the question. Right. Like, that wouldn't not make sense, you know? No, right. It was strange, but it's not uncommon, I guess, to remain friends with someone if your children are friends or, like, if you're a divorced couple to be amicable for your children Mm -hmm. so i get it i get what she's trying to do and then michael the one the son who found stacy later said to the police that um he saw jim come over and they watched a movie and then he saw him leave at like 11 to 11 30 and uh that was it Mm -hmm. so he said he saw him leave though and they think stacy died a few hours later between 2 a.m and 4 a.m so by all accounts he was gone Right? Right. But it's so easy to drive back. Right? Especially if you know this is a person who always leaves their door open for anyone to walk in in case they need something. Yep. Or have a cup of coffee or talk. Yep. Even Mm -hmm. at night. Jim had actually gone to the police the morning of Stacy's murder and told them, quote, You've definitely got to look at me. You've got to clear me because I'm going to be his reasonable doubt. Eddie killed her. Listen, I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to put the blame on someone else using his own innocence, quote. Right. I don't think he understands how guilty that comes off. No, I mean, clearly he's lacking in common sense. Definitely. Ed said that he's not guilty, and he stated, quote, The way to answer that is an old cliche. When you point your finger at someone, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Mm-hmm. Good response. Yeah, a little, little mic drop moment there. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was good. So wild. Yeah. Both of the men, frustratingly enough, have alibis for their whereabouts that night. Ed was at a party in Boston, 
and he can be seen on a video his friend took that night. Yeah. Like, his friend's just kind of filming, woo, we're out partying. It's 2009. Ed, look at this. And he has Ed on video. So right. it's like, okay, you're clearly not anywhere near Wolfboro, New Hampshire at that time. Right. I'll give you that, sir. Yeah. Jim's ex-wife said that he was there to chaperone a sleepover that his teenage kids were having. Yes. So here's the funny thing is that Jim lived with his ex-wife still in her basement, actually. Um, And they had two children together. So supposedly that night he was babysitting his other child's sleepover party. I think his son was at Stacy's house. Right, so that's why it wouldn't be so weird for Jim to go over, because one of his kids, if not more, were there at Stacy's. Right. And then Ed is all like, no, 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 no. I was in Boston. Two hours away. In Boston. You know, the city. And here's a video of me dancing on a table or whatever. And then here's at least one person who can verify that I was at this party. Okay? And then I thought to myself, okay... You have Jim with his ex-wife, Jamie, mother of his children. Could she have lied? Absolutely she could have. It would have benefited her to lie. hundred percent. Ed, with a good friend, has a good friend, fine. Would he lie for his friend? Maybe. So to me, those alibis aren't great. Also, back... It's 2009. How would they know if that video was from that night? Mm-hmm. Like, it could have just been any, you know? And, um... I don't know. I just wasn't buying either of them. And plus, Jim had an alibi for every scenario that the police threw at him. And he even came up with a scenario of how Ed could have gone to Boston, drove home and killed Stacy, and then drove back to Boston to be at this party. He, like, had it ready for the police. Like, try this! Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, yeah, dude, come on now. He was trying. He was really trying. He was really trying to pin it on Ed. And maybe it was Ed, but him laying out that possible scenario made him, once again, look so guilty. So, of course, Ed had this whole alibi that he was at this party in Boston, um, which... Somebody brought up something really important that I thought was like a good question. Supposedly, Stacy dropped off their three youngest daughters at Ed's house before she was murdered, like two nights before. So Ed was supposed to be babysitting these three kids, right? Why did he go to Boston to a party? Did he hire a babysitter? Possibly. But, I mean, why would you hire a babysitter when you're babysitting your kids, right? Right. It just felt weird. And then he does have possible motive. One, they were supposed to go to court the next day over money dispute. This way, that court date wouldn't happen. He wouldn't have to fight for custody of his children. And um, he literally would have to stop. Like, he wouldn't have to pay anything more for, like, the divorce lawyers, anything like that. So it would have been very convenient for him. Mm -hmm. And then he could move back into the house and take care of his children in the house that they had before. And it would be all fine and dandy. That's pretty motivating. Right? Now, Jim, 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 he was, uh, yeah, he was a lot. I had seen on Reddit, or maybe it was Web Sleuths, it was one of the two, where this woman commented and said, hi, this is going to sound crazy, but I knew 
Jim. I actually dated him a long time ago before this happened. And he's not the kind of guy who would do this. He's the kind of guy that would get on his knees and cry and beg and send you gifts and you know, come to your house and play the guitar for you out your window. He's not the kind of guy who would be so mad that he would kill you. He's the kind of guy that would fight to get you back. Mm -hmm. Obviously, do I know if this comment has credit? No idea. But if that's true, that's a, a decent point. Right. Is he so obsessive that he's someone that would do anything to get someone back where he'd kill them? Or he literally would just get on his knees and beg and beg and beg, which is pretty much what he was doing. Yeah. So that's interesting. So he has motive in that regard. And he told the police when Stacy was murdered, you guys might find my DNA under her fingernails because she helped me take a splinter out of my hand the day before. And guess what? They sure as shit found his DNA under her fingernails. <sighs> and listen, I know I'm just a baby nurse. I have, I've barely been a nurse for a year, and I only work with infants and pregnant moms. But I don't think people usually dig splinters out with their fingers. Oh, no. And, like, what are you doing? Are you, you... I'm sorry. You don't take a splinter out where DNA would get underneath your fingernails. If you're using your fingernails to get the splinter out, you just grab the top and pull. Pull. What are what DNA is there to get underneath your nails? Yes. And not to mention that he had a big scratch on his face. Hmm. hmm. Isn't that peculiar? Hmm. And you know what I was thinking? Wouldn't... This could be an easy fix. If the kids saw him that night, couldn't they say yay or nay if he had a big scratch on his face when he came to the movie? Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like that could easily be solved. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. To this day, no arrests have ever been made. Stacy's brother Michael stated, This is a real cautionary tale about looking for signs and identifying the things you don't like. My sister deserved a long, happy life and she's not going to get it because someone was very selfish and they were going to take her from this earth. And I can't imagine how anyone could go that far. Stacy's good friend Peggy stated, I'm a firm believer that whoever did this will eventually get justice, whether it's here on earth or somewhere else. Oh. Her family and friends are still holding out hope that the perpetrator will be caught and that Stacy will receive justice. Yeah. Wow. On July 18th, 2018, oh. Edward Burns was arrested in Millis, Massachusetts for stabbing a man repeatedly with a 10-inch knife after an argument. Hmm. That's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah how someone involved potentially with a stabbing case is capable of stabbing a person because they stabbed a person. Right. Interesting. Interesting. So we do know that he's not above stabbing someone. Right. Okay, fair. That's a good point. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And because of this incident, Stacy's family actually placed a restraining order on him so he couldn't see his children. Wow. Which, good. Good, because that's... You're right, Katie. Like, he's clearly not above stabbing anyone. When I saw that article, I was like, oh, was he involved in... You know, I know he had a drinking problem. Was, was right, there a bar fight. Right. Yeah. Or an altercation. or Nope, stabbed somebody repeatedly. Stabbed him repeatedly. 
that's I just think that's a little interesting tidbit. Because mm, wasn't Stacy stabbed repeatedly? Yeah, it's a weird connection. That is a weird connection. The article made that connection too, actually. Oh, did they? They're like, yeah, this man who whose former ex-wife was stabbed repeatedly mm. went on to stab another man yeah. multiple times. Just mm. Pshaw. Pshaw. <laughs> That's nuts. Okay, Katie, officially. Yep. Maybe not officially. Who do you think did it? See, I'm very torn. Mm, me too. Because, in my opinion, I feel like if Ed is standing over his wife at 4 o'clock in the morning saying death before divorce, mm-hmm. and she divorces him, and he comes back and all is well. Right. Wouldn't he have done it sooner? Hmm. Question mark. Hmm. But I do think it's very interesting that they were going to court the very next day after she was found murdered yeah. over a money dispute. Mm-hmm. And she had told friends she was very nervous for the court date. Right. Yeah. So I, I don't like that timing. I wonder if he seems like a very angry man he was very violent with her he would do things kind of impulsively it seems like i don't know if someone who usually acts impulsively could stand to wait that long and make that kind of a calculated thing Mm -hmm. i also don't like that jim had a scratch on his face and was like yeah you're gonna find my dna underneath her nails yeah do not like that i yeah i can't stand that at all don't like it and i wonder too if he came over for the movie so he could be like, hey, everyone. Hi, guys. All right, bye. I'm leaving. I'm leaving this It's 11 p.m. Home. Know that it's 11 p.m. Yeah. Bye. bye. <laughs> See you guys tomorrow, a few days. Yeah. See you at lacrosse. Bye-bye. Yeah. I'm not coming back today. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would slip that in there because he's literally so dumb by saying, like, you got to clear me, dude. Got to clear me because, like, it's Ed. And that's why I'm wondering, too, is if that woman on whichever thread, you know, mm-hmm. WebSleuths or Reddit, is saying, no, he's the kind of guy that would beg on his knees. Yeah. Maybe he did kill her, especially because that the night before, he was waiting for her at home, coming back from a date. Yeah. And he was very upset with her about that. Yes. So I wonder if he felt like he was losing her mm-hmm. and couldn't have her anyway. Oh, yeah. And the fact that he was going to police, groveling... You have to clear me. Eddie killed him. Her DNA. Oh, oh nails and scratch. Yeah. Yeah, right, dude. So that to me seems like groveling. Yes. So I, I don't know. I'm honestly, I'm leaning towards Jim. Yeah. Me too. And But the thing is, I don't think Ed is innocent. No, I mean, anything. no, we know he's abusive. We he's know abusive. she got a restraining order. Yeah. I think he does have the capacity to stab someone. Yeah. I.e. the stabbing in 2018 yeah. but i also think he he could have in 2009 it's very it's very both of them make good cases for themselves that they're guilty yes you know yep they're not good people nope neither of them nope no i just wish that especially for her family and her five children and her best friend and you know the 700 people that went to her funeral yeah, yeah. that we had some answers of course Anyone with any information on the murder of Stacey Burns is asked to please call the New Hampshire Police Department tip line. Their phone number is 603-223-3856.
You can also call the Wolfboro Police Department. Their phone number is 603-569-8173. Awesome. And uh, that's the murder of Stacy Burns. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And like I said, I think they both look good for it. Honestly. Two jilted lovers. One woman. That's the (laughs) Lifetime movie tag. Perfect. I like it. I thought that I just came up with it just now. Perfect. Nailed it. Hell yeah. I'm just good like that. We'll send it to Lifetime. Okay. Sounds good. But that case is so wild, and I'm glad we finally got to cover it. It's been number one on our list of... How many cases do we have now? We're pushing... Almost 500. Yeah, we're pushing 500, so... And it was a good one, I feel like. It is a good one, and it's close to home, and it's just... It sucks. Her poor kids, man. Five five kids. kids. Five kids. Yeah, it's crazy. Aging from... 15 to, like, I think they were 7 or 8, the twins. Young enough where it's like, are you any kid? That's crazy. That's the same dynamic as my siblings, because there's four girls and one boy, and then the youngest are twins. Oh, my God. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, that's wild. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's it's nuts. So that's the case of Stacey Burns. I would be really curious to hear what you guys think. Yes, please. Yeah. I know we always ask for your thoughts. We really want to hear what you guys think. Yeah, this I, one. yeah absolutely. I want to know why you would think it's Jim or why you would think it's Ed. Because mm-hmm. um, I think it could be both. Or maybe a different person. Maybe someone just walked in and knew that she always keeps her door unlocked. Could be. You could never be. know. But we would love to hear your thoughts. Seriously. Please. And you can tell us on our Instagram and Twitter, which is True Crime Any. All lowercase. Or you can even send us an email about your thoughts and your theories on this case at truecrimeany at gmail.com. We also have a submission tool on our website at truecrimeny.com. You could use that either anonymously if you so choose or put your name to tell us your thoughts on this case, maybe other cases that we've covered, questions, comments, concerns, feedback. And case suggestions. If you guys have a case you want to send us, let us know. If you do leave your name, we'll give you a shout out if we end up covering the case that you suggested, yes. like the one we just did. Thank you again, Jody G. Yes, thank you, Jody G. And also, before we go, guys, don't forget that you can give us a star rating on Spotify, or you can head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a star rating and or a written review. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.